We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows. Live from the airwaves of Gotham City, it's a batshit podcast. Breaking news, the infamous Mr. Freeze goes to trial today for the death of three women. He evaded capture until Gotham's dark night brought him to justice. Now, 12 of Gotham's finest citizens will stand as jury in a trial that will hopefully put this once respected scientist back behind the walls of Blackgate Penitentiary. In an interesting development, billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne will be one of the jurors in what is sure to be one of the most talked about cases of the year. That's right. Today, we're covering the comic book arc originally appearing in Batman 2016, issues 51 through 53, written by Tom King, the story that follows Bruce Wayne as he joins the jury in trial of Mr. Freeze and Batman's crime-fighting methods are called into question. This is Cold Days. I'm your host, Madison Fairchild, and with me is the Robin to my Batgirl, Raina Cervantes. Hello, hello. How are we feeling today? Great. Madison. Very excited. Um, yeah, this the storyline is super cool that we're covering today. It's probably one of the more unique Batman storylines I think I've ever read. Seriously, it's so cool. It's so different. We we did bring on a special guest with us this week to help us talk us through it. And actually, it was his pick. I kind of offered him a blank slate and I was like, you can talk about anything Batman related on the show. Like, please choose something. And this is what he chose. Joining us today. He's one half of the writing duo that brought you such films as the emotionally charged 2020 hit The Night House. And this year, he helped bring a horror icon back into the limelight with the uncompromisingly brutal reboot of Hellraiser. Please welcome to the show, Luke Piotrowski. Hey, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much for being on. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I was I was tweeting with with Raina and just and sort of expressing my excitement to just be able to talk batman without getting weird looks from people so yeah <laughs> it's hard to find those people in your life no that's why we started the pod exactly yeah you read this stuff and you're so excited and you're just like i don't know what to do with all of this enthusiasm because you got to sit somebody down and you know some people are not super comics literate like it's just it's still mm -hmm. one of those mediums that you know everybody watches tv everybody watches movies but there'll be certain video games or certain comics and it's very hard mm -hmm. to sort of get people to here please experience this thing so i can share it with you <laughs> so i'm super excited to be talking to you both oh yeah we're so excited to have you i mean we kind of started the pod for that same reason reina and i we're very much in the horror and kind of like sci-fi communities. Mm -hmm. And we'd only talked about that. And then when we both realized we had like a super deep, deep love for Batman and it's not something either of us really expressed online, we were like, okay, well, now we have to start a podcast so we can talk about it with someone. So we definitely yeah. get how you're feeling there. <laughs> yeah, the internet's sort of like, you know, as, as open as it's supposed to be, you do sort of end up finding yourself pigeonholed in this niche of like, well, I have to mm -hmm. sort of have a, a brand for my Twitter feed and yeah. talk about things that people will respond to. And you just kind of end up going this way and you kind of end up you know, like cauterizing parts of yourself, at least in what you present Seriously. to the world. No, that's so true. It's really weird that that happens, but it happens to everyone that's active. I feel like, what do you think, Raina? Mm -hmm. I would definitely agree. I feel like everything I tweet out that isn't horror video game related just ends up getting like kind of ignored by the general public. So <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm out there tweeting like Hong Kong martial arts movies all the time, and we'll get like <laughs> three likes, and then I'll say something about you know killer clowns from outer space or whatever, and like oh everybody's responding to that. So yeah, no, a hundred percent. Your tweets were actually some of the ones that got me into uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I need to finally check this out. But I'm in the same boat. I'll tweet something about The Witcher, like one or two likes tweet something about the new hellraiser like a million likes <laughs> well even i mean the tweet that i think brought us here is i tweeted something about the the chip zadarsky run of batman happening now and it was like you know a couple of likes and then one message from you that was like you want to be on this podcast I was like, hell yeah i love it so. yeah because i think i had seen you tweet out before like something Batman related. And then it like clicked in my head when you sent that tweet. And I was like, Oh, okay. I know what'll make good conversation. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so I got to ask where, where did your uh, Batman fandom kind of like begin to blossom? Where did it all kind of begin? How'd you get into the character or the comics well, and whatnot? I'm old. So I was, I was listening to your early episodes as, as you're both sharing your stories of how you got into it. And I was like, Oh my God, I was, I was there <laughs> Gandalf. I was in the theater for <laughs> Batman 89, you know, 5,000 years ago. Um, yeah. So it was, it was Batman 89. I think that really was, was the thing. And I was, I was quite young. Let's see. It was, it would have been eight when that came mm. out, when I saw that. And obviously I'd seen the Adam West show a little bit, but was sort of like, I don't really understand what's going on here or what this is. <laughs> but seeing that movie was a big deal. And then obviously very cemented by the animated series. Um, mm -hmm. And then it wasn't really until I had one issue of Batman that was this Dark Knight, Dark City. Oh, God, I can't remember who wrote it. It's a really cool, I think it's an English writer, but it's this really weird. It was, you know, like I didn't buy a lot of comics, but it was one of those grocery store checkout line purchases of Mom, can I get a Batman comic? Not prepared at all for what the comics were like compared to, you know, some of the other things and certainly the Adam West show. So I had this one weird comic, and that was the only Batman comic I had for the longest time. This really sinister Riddler and this baby doll that blew up and covered Batman with blood and a zombie at the end. It was this re really crazy story. Um, and beyond that, I didn't read Batman comics until I was in my 20s when I sort of realized with the internet and with me having like my own disposable income, I was like, wait a minute, I can actually yep. buy Batman comics. I can actually catch up on all this stuff. So it kind of went from Movie Batman 89 into animated series, obsessed with those kind of stories. We could talk about that all day to finally in my 20s being like, oh, that passion that I had as a child is something I can actually fully embrace and explore that world. And so around the time of, you know, Batman Begins and all that, I really started getting into the comics and have been ever since. That's that's super interesting. I feel like I feel like that's kind of the trajectory I went like I was super into the movies growing up and then. Yeah. Eventually, now that I'm older and whatnot, now I have an entire bookshelf just dedicated to like hardcover graphic novels of Batman. Exactly. It's being it's, a fan it's a of slope. things like really intensely is hard when you're uh when you hit adult money time because that's where that's where all of it goes. I feel like so. <laughs> I mean, it's been wild just to see the the DC uh, Infinite or DC Universe, whatever oh they're gosh. calling it now, like that happening. I you know because it was for so long. I just it's really revolutionized how I consume that and 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's in some ways I kind of miss being able to go to the you know Barnes and Noble and just buy like sixty dollars worth of trades of just like random stuff. And now I yeah. kind of don't have to. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird how how access to those things has changed so much over the years. A thousand percent. It's like totally different the way we consume these stories because I used to be the same way of like oh, I really want to read this trade, time to go buy it. But now it's just like, oh, I just buy the trades of stories that I really, really like and need a physical Mm -hmm. of. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I feel like I'd always buy random ones as a kid because I didn't know what connected to each other. So I'd base it off of, oh, this one looks cool. I'll buy it. And it's I'm like 20 comics in and don't know where the story has been at all, trying to figure it (laughs) out. Um, and, And now you can pull it up on like your iPad Um, But it's made collecting comics really special to me because I can buy like as an adult, I can buy a $30 variant of a comic I know I love a lot instead of just gambling on hoping I like it and spending money on it. So it's cool, but it's also it does, I feel like, take away from, you know, Saturdays going to the comic book shop the local one and all of that and just um, reading it like a, this dark night dark city issue one that i had i've since found the whole thing and like was able to piece together what the hell was going on <laughs> but i just read it over and over again and i had mm-hmm. no idea what was happening but it was just like uh-huh. i just you know and it's just like i feel that way with albums and stuff too like i used to buy a, an album and i wouldn't like it at first and i just listened to it again and again and again because it was the <laughs> only thing that was in the car and then i grew to love it and i do feel like we don't really flex those muscles anymore because mm-hmm. we can just be like uh suggest to me five artists that are similar to the artist i'm listening to and i'll just stay in this lane forever you know oh fa- facts i mean i was like that with video games as a kid i got mm. superman 64 and oh my god <laughs> listen as a kid i did not i did not know that game was bad as a kid and i actually beat the whole thing but growing wow. up growing up and i can just buy my own video games or download whatever game i want with like game pass or something it's like oh i don't like a game i just move on to the next rather than yeah kind of forcing myself to consume it like not that it's a bad thing because i did see parts of superman 64 that like other people didn't so in a way it (laughs) feels kind of (laughs) it feels kind of special to me it's still a terrible game don't get me wrong but that is interesting the the commentary on like the ways we consume media now, especially comic books. Yeah, I've, it's wild. I, I'm so I'm taking us on all these crazy tangents. We're supposed to be talking about, <laughs> about oh, this no, storyline. This, this is the whole plot. <laughs> we love tangents. In fact, I feel like an outlier that I actually am reading a Batman series right now and floppies. <laughs> oh, nice. But, oh my gosh. Yeah, today we're going to be covering Batman Cold Days, written by Tom mm. King. Now, mm. I had not... Lee Weeks. Let's not leave out Lee Weeks because yes. he's doing amazing stuff in this i I really appreciated it this time through i I just reread it again this morning the art is so good it's so good like it's super cinematic i think what's so interesting is that this is like there's so much staging like right right off the bat you look in into this thing and there's like high angles and there's like a splash page that's a top down shot and so the, I am looking at that screenshot right now. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is a story that's so there's very little action in the story other than some sort of, you know, flashbacks, but it still is dynamic the entire time, mm-hmm. even though it's mostly just people in a room. Um, so that's super exciting. And the other thing I really want to call out about the art that is like a kind of an unsung ability, but 
that Weeks has the ability to draw people with different body types and different yeah. shaped faces and that you mm-hmm. look at the jury of 12 different people and it is a variety of different types of people, which you, there's definitely some artists where you get like every woman looks syndrome. the same. Yeah. And, yeah. Same face syndrome. Yeah. You, I just heard you talking about that on, on one of the previous episodes this morning. Yeah, for sure. And, and like, it's so exciting to see just all these different Gotham citizens. And it's so important mm-hmm. to the theme of the story that we have these different types of people in the room. But just he really nails that in the art. And so that's something I really wanted to call out. For our social posts, I like go into reading the comics, trying to think of what I'm going to screenshot to post later. And right. uh, that first shot where it's the top down view of them mm-hmm. is so eye catching. It's so good. And it really sets the tone that like this is 12 angry men with Batman. <laughs> like yes. it really does you get it immediately right off the bat. Um, and there's, like you said, it's really cinematic. It it could have been boring with there not being a lot of action, but this comic felt more like a movie than any of the other ones we've read recently. It was just so, it leaves so much for like your brain to fill in, I feel like, with the movement of the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like you're in the room, you're in the action with it, where a lot of the comics... I feel like are lacking that whether the art is good or not. So sorry, Raina, you can keep going. I just wanted to touch on that a bit. No, I love all these points that we're hitting about the art because I feel like art and comics sometimes gets a little undersold. But like mm-hmm. you guys said, a lot of the time art is same face syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we get any further, I got to ask you, Luke, um, why did you pick this storyline? Like why? Like when I said bring anything Batman related you chose uh-huh. this storyline at the end of the day. Yeah, well, it was, the, it was the very first thing that I thought of, too. I think, you know, just, you know, Madison called it out. 12 Angry Men is one of my favorite movies, if if not my favorite movie. And so <laughs> 12 Angry Men with Bruce Wayne as Henry Fonda is like, oh, shit. And then written by Tom King is like super, oh, shit. Because I'm sure the other tweet that you saw of me, I'm a big, I'm a big Tom King shill. I just, he's my favorite writer in comics right now from Mr. Miracle and Strange Adventures, Rorschach miniseries, to, um, the Supergirl miniseries that he did, and then and then the Batman stuff, which is interesting because it's a much, he wrote it, you know, for a much longer time, like starting with Rebirth and went for, it, the plan was supposed to be 100 issues, I think counting Batman Catwoman, he ended up doing around 100 issues, so there's highs and lows and it's not as controlled as some of his, you know, 12 issue miniseries things, but he's mm-hmm. just a writer that really hits home for me in a lot of ways. And I'm sure we'll talk about that as we get into the meat of this story. But when you brought up, what do you want to talk about? I knew, you know, any other guests that you have, I bet there's a lot of folks that are going to be just drawn to the movies because that's easy. And I was like, look, as a, as a guy that is, you know, a comic reader and steeped in the comics, I have a responsibility to pick something that's comics <laughs> you know i don't want to take the easy route and do like let's talk about the batman and you know you know let's talk about the dark knight like no uh-huh. let me get something very specific to me and that was the the first storyline that that popped in my head and and when i reread it just you know like let me make sure that this stands alone and is worth talking about and then just like mm-hmm. was crying by the end and i was like all right that's the one we're going to talk about <laughs> i'm so glad you did because i've not heard of this before you yeah, it's it not a famous episode, one. And I, I love it. it. It became an instant favorite. I texted Raina this morning and I was like, this is oh, phenomenal. <laughs> like, I love this way too oh, much. I'm so glad. 
yeah, thank you for showing it to, I mean, Raina's read it before, but thank you for showing it to me and hopefully our viewers check it out because really yeah, good. I, I, to me, it's one of the definitive Batman stories. You know, I think we get the Batman versus Bruce Wayne story has been done before. I think Darwin Cook's Ego is a really good and, and slightly more popular example of that. But to me, there's never been anything quite like this where we really get Bruce wrestling with and dissecting the idea of Batman and what it means to him and pitting these things against each other, but not as two disparate things. Like this isn't the debate of which one's the real mask, Batman or Bruce Wayne. Like, they're the same man, but they're yeah. aspects of the same man. And they are aspects that are sometimes in conflict, which is a very human thing, you know, that we mm -hmm. have, we all have aspects of ourselves that we need to sometimes interrogate and ask ourselves, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And is this okay? Um, especially in times of, you know, crisis, pardon the DC I, pun, but the crisis. <laughs> yeah, I, I love when he is, um, I know we'll get into the plot a bit, but when he's talking to the jury and he has to explain to them, even though they act like they know, he has to really explain to them, like he is not a God. He makes mm -hmm. mistakes. He's fallible, just like we are. He's as good as we are, and he's as bad as we are as well. And I think that that I love that part. I don't know I love, a lot I love of superheroes, like Superman. They're kind of viewed as like Jesus figures. They are mm -hmm. good, and I mean, not that Superman's always portrayed like that. But I think, um, like, if we were living in Metropolis, that's how you'd be viewed by a lot of people. And the thought that. I feel like we usually see the side of people in comics and movies where they're like, well, Batman destroyed my house and I hate him. Batman, blah, blah, blah. And I hate him. But these people all were like, he saved my kid. He saved my sister, all of these things. Um, and so they have this like unyielding loyalty to him. And Bruce, mm -hmm. who is him, has to explain <laughs> to them that at the end of the day, that's a person and that person can be wrong and that person can make mistakes. And um Obviously, he's telling himself that too, but I think that instead of having this whole comic be an internal monologue where Bruce is struggling with this alone, I think that having it be something he has to convey to others is yes. such an interesting way to put this struggle that he has. And I loved it. I just, oh my God, I could well, go on. That's such course. a timely thing too. Like, I think this is something that mm -hmm. happens in reality all the time, whether that's celebrities or politicians, but we have this mm -hmm. need, and we'll touch upon this too, because this is another big thing of the, the idea of fear and the idea of helplessness and what we do to combat these feelings that everybody has of fear and helplessness, right? That's what Batman is born out of, especially in this iteration. But we have this side of this, this need to create an infallible God. And whether that's, you know, because we find religion or whether that's we take a celebrity, we take a political leader, we, we find somebody and we got to put them up on this pedestal and put them in this position where we deify people. We have a tendency to do that because it helps us yes. feel safe, right? So we deify people because we're afraid. But here's the key is only a villain is going to allow themselves to be deified. And what I love yes. about this is this is Bruce slash Batman explaining I cannot allow that to happen. I cannot mm -hmm. allow you to deify me because once you're doing that, you've crossed a line. And so I think that's a way to really wrestle with this idea of superheroes as gods, but not mm -hmm. in an edgelord, very surface way of like, <laughs> well, he's God, he's in a Jesus pose. It's like, no, let's really talk about why we have gods and what they mean to us 
and the dangers that come with putting that label on a man. Um, no, mm-hmm. and I I love what you said about only a villain would allow themselves to be deified. It's like the whole um, only like bad people live to see like themselves become like statues and stuff like that. Like you're not supposed to be deified while you're alive, you know, mm-hmm. um, like good people don't allow that to happen. But I also think that the other side of this is what we see in a lot of superhero um, content is once a hero has become uh, deified, they will almost immediately, the, the second they do mess up, they become demonized because they're on this pedestal, mm. so they cannot make mistakes. So when they do, because they are people, they're villains right. or people immediately hate them. And I think that by Bruce, um, by Bruce being the one saying, you have to recognize that he is not God, I think that if he hadn't and it had come out that, that he was wrong by other people figuring it out, um, it would have been, well, Batman's evil. Batman beat this man up um, for no reason, blah, blah, blah. And right. if we see it, I just feel like we see it so often where the second that line is crossed, it's just mayhem for them. So I, I don't know. Right. I think it's so interesting right. watching him like on the tightrope with like almost becoming a god to these people. It's so cool and so interesting. Yeah. Well, so it's great about it is it's so not like what you're talking about is like it's so binary, right? And that's something that's a human yeah. reaction, but it's also a narrative reaction of it has to be very binary. It's like they're heroes, they're villains. He crossed a line, he didn't cross the line. And this is and this is something else we can talk about. I won't, I won't, you know, and, and I want to throw to Reyna and sort of <laughs> give, yeah. give you a chance to weigh into uh because we've been talking a lot. But like this, this I love that this story is not binary and it lives mm-hmm. very much in there isn't right on one side and wrong on the other and black and white it's all very messy and sticky and very human um it's more complicated than is he a hero is he a villain is batman good is batman bad um but we'll we'll talk about that more i don't know like uh we're sort of all over the place here but that's that's okay this is a loaded episode and i am very much into it sorry if i'm just like sitting back and like taking it all in you both (laughs) are bringing up like such great points um I actually don't have much experience with the Tom King run of Batman just here or there. Uh, Cold uh-huh. Days was one of the few things I did read uh, because I'm a Scott Snyder fangirl and I was just like, oh, I can't oh, move okay. on. I was like, I can't move on. I got to stick with like the Dionysium and the Dark Knight's metal and whatnot. But <laughs> I found I found myself like truly fascinated with what Tom King constructed, like I am all for storylines that are a complete deconstruction of how we view the Dark Knight. It's one of the reasons mm-hmm. I love like Sean Murphy's title, uh, Batman, the White Knight, because oh, yeah. like uh-huh. like that, it calls into question Bruce Wayne slash Batman's methods of like crime finance. Like, well, what gives this man the right to don a mask and go and beat mm-hmm. up criminals that he sees fit? Like who gives him that power? And ultimately it's, oh, it's Gotham City. We just, we know he's mm-hmm. Batman. We know he's doing right because he's done it for so long. Who mm-hmm. are we to question him? And it, and like you guys said, it does build him up. Yeah, it builds him up That's like a, great a moment in, in In this arc <laughs> of, of I'm, you know, he's the world's greatest detective. And who are you to question that? A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. That's such a good moment. <laughs> oh. So shall we dive right in? Um, we're just going to go through the storyline loosely. First and foremost, we open up Bruce Wayne is joining the jury in a courtroom 
pretty much Bruce Wayne is not immune from jury duty. We learn right off the bat. Um, <laughs> and it turns out he's going to be the jury on a trial for Mr. Freeze, who he himself as Batman obviously brought in. So right, right off the bat, Luke, I know you gave me a little bit of context for uh, for where Bruce's headspace is right here. Do yeah. you want to give our listeners a little context? Yeah, so, I mean, spoiler alert for the Tom King run. I'm sure if you are at all aware of comics, you probably, you know, heard a little bit about this. But there's, there was the big ballyhoo about the Batman-Catwoman wedding. I won't spoil the hows and whys. It didn't happen. Uh selena sort of left him at the altar and so when we when we pick up this story here this is this is i believe immediately after that issue so we have a bruce wayne slash batman struggling with and you'll see in the story that gets into it but like you know batman has taken something from from bruce in a way the fact that he is batman and and we won't get into exactly what the characters are but there's this notion that's at play here is a, a, a phrase that gets brought up of he can't be Batman and be happy. He is who he is and he does what he does because he's unhappy. And if and if he's happy, he won't be able to do that anymore. And that you'll see that that gets wrestled with a little bit here. So he's in this very vulnerable spot and really reassessing who he is and, and what he's doing and what the what the cost is on a personal level for him. Um, mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's kind of what's and, going on. And to add our, a little bit more context to that whole storyline like dc hyped up that event for like over a year correct like that was gonna be yeah, they definitely event. did yeah i remember there so was a little bit of controversy so which is funny because i didn't read this but i did read that one <laughs> <laughs> you read the one that he was left at the altar yep because the cover was pretty I'm sorry. That is the reason why I bought it. <laughs> no, there's some beautiful, yeah, beautiful art in that in that one. Um, I appreciate the honesty. I had to admit it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, and and that's the other thing about the the Tom King run that we won't get into. And was was the other like I was so tempted. I knew I wanted to do something Tom King, but there's 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 an annual number two, which covers the whole like Bat Cat romance from like the moment they met to a, you know a possible future. And it's fucking beautiful and heartbreaking and wonderful. And I was really tempted to do that. So that that's the other thing of why the, this whole thing really hurts so much is because the romance in this run is so good and so real and sad um, that you really wanted that to work out. And the fact that it didn't like really sucks, but it's also like really cool that it's Mr. Freeze because the defining thing about Mr. Freeze is yes. he's the character that's oh. trying to, resuscitate his wife so to have batman taking out his anger at being left at the altar Mm. by beating the shit out of the other guy who's sort of struggling with the same thing is not really commented upon but so fucking good i Mm. thought about that the whole time like he it's like he's beating the shit out of himself almost like he is a person Mm -hmm. that can't get over what just happened and so He's angry at that part of himself and he is taking it out on someone else that reflects that in him. It's amazing. It's so, so good. And I love that until the end, kind of Bruce himself, number one, he looks like someone who just got dumped. He looks like shit as much as Bruce (laughs) can look like shit. Like he is struggling. And he also, um, he's kind of an unreliable narrator throughout the entire thing. Like Mm -hmm. we know that, At first, I kind of interpreted it as he is trying to talk them down, like the jury, just because 
he's like, well, no, this isn't how the justice system works. We need more evidence, which seems like a Bruce Wayne thing to do. Like, even if he was right, you can't convict someone off of a hunch. Like, that's not how justice works. But then it's like, oh, wait, is Bruce wrong? And he's just like, the Batman really isn't a reliable source at all. It's just so interesting because... I don't know. Right. He's struggling. Well, it's very yeah. much, I mean, it's the place that you're at, you know, when when you go through a breakup of like yeah. wanting to kind of like, what did I do? Tell me I'm wrong. Like, oh God, you know, you're sort of mm-hmm. pulling yourself through the mud and like, you know, and you get your support system around you and it's like, God, I'm such an idiot. I did so much wrong. Here's what's wrong with me. Tell me yeah. I'm wrong, right? Am I wrong? And like, we see mm-hmm. Bruce doing that with the jury here of like, tell me I'm, you know, acknowledge that I fucked up like please punish me please you know absolve me of my guilt um which is so fascinating and so good like there's this that that great moment they do it for for all like the last issue basically just being a monologue you know (laughs) there's like lots of wordy monologues here that are so good oh Oh, my god we'll get to that but just in this first issue there's like two moments that are so great one is a single page of where he's in the hotel and the bat signal goes off and he just pulls the shade down, which is like, what could Bruce Wayne ever do that? Like he just, without a single word said, we know where he's at because he's like, not going to answer that. And it's like, damn, okay. He's not feeling good. He's not Batman right now. He's really questioning. And then the other great moment is when um, we see Dick show up as Batman, you know, Dick Grayson shows up to talk to Gordon Mm -hmm. And there's very little dialogue, but you just have Gordon say, oh, you know, you're not him. You're that other him. Is he all right? And Dick says, nope. (laughs) And like, that's it. That's all you need to know. That says everything. Is he all right? No, (laughs) he's not. The little, the Dick moments in this are, they made me giggle every time because he's just trying to help. You can tell, like, there's a moment where he's just flying in the air, answering the call. And they're just like, not talking about the fact that he is in action right now. Um, Mm -hmm. He's just, he's wonderful in this little run. I loved him a lot. (laughs) As a a big fan of the Grant Morrison and like uh, Black Mirror runs of the Batman comics where Uh Dick was Batman, I appreciated the callback. (laughs) Yeah. But it it does bring into mind that like, yes, going into the storyline, like Bruce is even more like, you can argue that Batman is always at an emotionally unstable like state, but even more so now post breakup him ignoring the bat signal is just the equivalent to putting on do not disturb on the phone and just like throwing <laughs> right. it to the side. Uh, it has silence notifications yeah uh, for real um and it's interesting because right off the bat like when he's added on to the case the jury meets and they're like oh well freeze is guilty 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 like does anyone object and the first issue ends with the stinger of like Bruce Wayne objecting to the guilty verdict, which is like a cliffhanger. Like you get so inundated of like, you know, will Batman untie the rope in time to escape the trap? Tune in next week of like the cliffhangers (laughs) are all kind of samey same. The stakes are the same. It's like, is he going to get out of this physical peril or not? Yes, he will. How's he going to do it? You know, so the cliffhanger to just be Bruce Wayne raises his hand. And for that to be like, oh, shit, what? I got to read the next (laughs) issue is so cool and so different than what you would normally expect from a comic book, a superhero comic. And that's Mm -hmm. why I love the Tom King run so much. Like we're talking about this dick stuff of like, 
there's a there's a you know a big page of Dick fighting Killer Croc, and then there's after that a, a nine panel thing of of Gordon on the witness stand as they're like you know is Batman licensed to perform autopsies. And you can see the acting on his face. Here's Lee Weeks again, like just really knocking it out of the park. Of like, this is almost more exciting than this fist fight with Killer Croc to see to see him on the stand. Like, uh, no, he's not. Fine, he's not licensed to perform <laughs> autopsies. Jeez, and it's it's just so dramatic in a in a different way, which I love. I love fist fights. I love <laughs> you know fights and tights. All that stuff is great, but. We can't always have that because it gets numbing. So that's why this story is yes. so refreshing. I I always find like the stories about the Dark Knight that are subversions of what we know to be the most fascinating. And Cold Days right off the first issue is like 100% that. Like that yeah. moment you talk about where it's like Mary and Dick fighting Killer Croc and Gordon on the stand. It's like, get out of here, Dick and Killer Croc. I want to see what Gordon has to say, how he's going right. to justify. Yeah, that's in the background. That's like yeah. out of, yeah, that's, yeah, he's always fighting Killer Croc, whatever. Let's get yeah. back to Gordon <laughs> struggling to like admit. <laughs> and, it, and in a way, it calls into questions your own beliefs about the character. It's like, well, yes. we as readers, Batman can do no wrong. And then the prosecution brings that up and you're like, oh shit, he really isn't licensed to be doing all of this yet. Somehow... We just let him do it. It's a very it, it's it spins everything, you know, about Batman and his relationship with the GCPD kind of on its head. Yeah, I love and I love that you say that that it calls us in as readers, because I do think that there is a little bit of a comment on, you know, fandom in here in a way. And that there's a lot of fans that rejected this run on Batman because of these fallibilities that he has, because we kind of demand that our superheroes be gods you know and that we kind of you know it's great when batman's a supporting character he can be the flawless badass who's thought of everything he's never wrong he's always perfect but in his own book we need to kind of see some of these 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 other aspects to him and i think what's really you know i think some of the best things of batman is like we again that we have this very binary thing of there's all these different versions of batman where he can be you know the goofy playboy he can be this like grim character he can be this like fascist cop he can be this like abusive father. He can be a great father. He can be this or that. And there's all these different versions. And I love that this doesn't just choose one and say, you know, he's either the Adam West Batman or he's, you know, the goddamn Batman from the like Frank Miller stuff. Oh no, he, that got brought up he, finally on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's, yeah. Oh God, that Batman. But like, he's kind of, all of those things. And what's really yeah. interesting is when we get into the later stuff is when he starts talking about it, it's, I am myself. When I go to this place, I do things I shouldn't. I'm not who I could be. I'm not who I should be. And so we have the best Batman that he can be acknowledging that sometimes he's the worst Batman, you know? And so that this is a character that does have problematic aspects to him. Like, like Raina that you brought up of like, well, who is he? to do this stuff. He's not licensed to do these things. This is in a real world, politically very murky, morally very murky, but ultimately this is a heroic character. And I'm, it's, oh, sorry, yeah, it's you know, I, I'm just saying that it's, it's, um, it's heroic that he owns it. I think this is an arc about owning your mistakes. And that's what Batman and Bruce is trying to do here is, is sort of own and correct the mistakes that they've made. And I think there's nothing more heroic 
than that. It's not not making mistakes. It's it's owning them and and uh, interrogating that. I think that writing him in this way too, where he is a good person who like fucks up severely at times, um, is so much more human, so much more realistic, and just better writing. I think that mm-hmm. they were able to add so much depth to him in just a couple of issues. Obviously, we haven't re- read like this entire run, but right. or I haven't. But I think that in making him good and like do bad things, and when you can make a villain evil, horribly morally corrupt, but do good things, there's so much more depth there. And um, right. I think that Batman, I mean, everyone knows this, but Batman is one of the few heroes where you can realistically see them existing in our world, like in the real world, not actually, Mm -hmm. but like it's the closest we can get to that kind of superhero world is this weird, rich vigilante who is doing all this shit. Like it just makes the most sense. And um, when you think about it, you could have a person that really wants to do good, wants to help, wants to clean up their city, but if they are going to a dark place and they are doing morally corrupt things, um, that's just what people do because people, like he says, aren't fallible. They aren't perfect. And I think that that might be why I like this. Like, yeah, And that's why I like Batman. Like, yeah, you bring yeah, up an exactly. interesting point of like, pe- people will often say like, well, Batman's human and that's why you can relate to him is because he's human. You can't fly. You can't pick up a car he's not impossibly strong like like superman but he's also not impossibly good like superman and that's why i relate to batman look i love yeah. superman and i love the fact that superman represents all that we can be what i like about batman is batman like superman is good batman yes. wants to be good and yes. in this arc more than ever we see him wanting to be good and he's not always good and that's me i fuck up and mm-hmm. i give in to the worst aspects of myself and that's why you know we've seen the the death of the waynes a thousand times but it's <laughs> contextualized here in such an interesting way is like it's not like i watched my parents get killed and i never got over it it was this was the first time i experienced fear and helplessness and yeah. i was driven to find a solution to this sense of fear and helplessness and it was the first time I experienced that. And every time I experienced fear and helplessness, it takes me back to that place. And I remember how that felt. And what did I do when I felt that way was I saw it. I saw it. Well, he says, I saw it transcendence and I found Batman, which is one of my favorite Batman lines of all time. I have to say one of the most fascinating things about the fact that DC did this storyline is around the same time they were letting Scott Snyder do Dark Knight's Metal, which is literally about Batman kind of reaching this like obscene amount of godhood. And then to do this storyline around the same time about, no, I'm fallible as a man. It's it's a weird juxtaposition that they put themselves in with the same character. And it's it's fascinating to see such two very different takes on the character go on at the same time. Mm. Yeah. And I like what Luke, I like what you were saying about like Batman, sorry, Superman is what we could be, what we want to be, but like Batman is what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no reaching for like being better, like with Superman, where it's basically it that is even more portrayed as a Jesus figure or Jesus. God figure, however you want to. I mean, if you're talking about the Snyder versions, much more like sure. a Jesus figure. <laughs> right. Like Batman is who we are as people. And 
I think that I feel like we see that in more recent iterations for the films, like the Batman. I just rewatched it the other day, so that's why it's yeah. on my mind. But um, I think that plays is, in really nicely with this. Yeah. 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 And I was thinking while I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, this is probably how he was when Selena left on her little motorcycle at the end of the film. <laughs> just being a little he's throwing a fit. He just got dumped. But he is very human. And I think that um, when he's talking to Alfred and he says, I'm not afraid of dying, but I never, ever wanted to feel what I felt when my parents died. And when I thought that you passed, like, that is what I felt again. Um, mm. versus when Batman is talking to the jury or Bruce is talking to the jury and he says like, what you, t- what, sh- what you touched on, which actually brought me back to that, remembering that is that he, he goes to that place every time he feels that fear again. And he's explaining why other men like feel that fear, but it's such a good portrayal of like PTSD and stuff like that, which Batman obviously like is, is dealing with like not to, like psycho, mm-hmm. psychoanalyze a fictional character, but obviously that's what it is. And the, gotta. when he gets like triggered into that fear, it brings him exactly to that place where he was at his weakest and his most helpless. And I think that we're touching on that more with newer versions of the Batman, like uh, Pattinson's, but it is so true to the character. And that's, I like that. I, you know, that's the best case for Batman to me is that it's not a revenge mission. It's a search Mm -hmm. for meaning in the wake of a senseless tragedy. And that's what, that's what gave birth to Batman, right? His his parents senselessly died. And I want to find meaning in here in the same way people will search for religion or we, we find, you know, we make gods out of men. We just want answers. We just want something to do to fill our time, something to do that gives the world meaning and that's why he found this. It wasn't like, I'm going to get rid of all crime. Like, this is that's a ridiculous thought that he's never going to think, I'm going to get rid of all of it. This becomes, here's something I can do to not feel so helpless anymore. Here's mm-hmm. something I can do to combat the meaninglessness that is creeping in at the edges of my world, you know, in the wake of a breakup, in the wake of a death. Yeah. And that's why I think, you know, some of this stuff is so powerful, like, like the moment that just brought me to tears one night when I read it, that we read it uh, the, for the first time in, in a few years was that moment when he, you know, asks around the room, like who here has been saved by Batman? Who here would be in a grave if it weren't for him? And they all raise their hands and then there's a beat and then Bruce's hand goes up. And the idea that <laughs> Batman saved Bruce, you know, superheroes yeah. save people, but we're always like, Oh, they save people, but they, they swing by and they pull you out of the burning car. It's like, no, intellectually emotionally spiritually this idea of batman is not a dark burden or a curse or a a vengeance mission this is the thing that saved this boy that gave his life some meaning and this is his you know buttress against the dark it's the the batman is a thing of of light and you know yeah that's so moving and powerful to me I am almost teared up even when you just brought that part up again because like, oh, holy crap, that is, it's such a good moment. But I was thinking about it the other day after rewatching the movie and then like now thinking about it today. And um, for a lot of people that have dealt with loss like that and it, it's kind of all consuming, uh, it often is the most consuming like at night when you're going to bed um, mm-hmm. and you have nothing else to do and to think about and thinking that Bruce turned into like this nocturnal animal, but yes, this being that is out at night and as something consuming his mind and his 
his body while he is uh while everyone else would be asleep yes well that gives oh that gives so much weight to the you know like yes father i shall become a bat is like yeah yeah in context of what you just said is like oh my god so moving uh it hurts anyway sorry (laughs) i was just thinking about that Raina, no. thoughts? <laughs> no, I, I th- yeah, just, just back on track, Raina, please. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really fascinating. I wanted to use this conversation to segue into what my favorite moment is in the story arc is where yes, he's talking please. about where they ask him, uh, do you believe in God? And yes. he like mm-hmm. talks about essentially his crisis of faith when his parents died and how he dealt with it. And it, mm-hmm. and you get that whole mirroring of like his origin, like he's training and he's like, listen, I lost faith in, in God traditionally, but I found faith in something else. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what makes Batman probably the most human I've ever seen him in this storyline. Yes. Yeah. And then that faith is shaken because what was giving him so much, all these good things that we're talking about, has now taken selena away from him it's driven a wedge mm-hmm. between him and the life that he wants and so mm-hmm. that's why he brings up job right is because like you know batman mm-hmm. is god and bruce wayne is job and bat you know god gives you things you know, the lord giveth and the lord taketh away and like what bruce mm-hmm. is really struggling with is like oh shit it this has given me so much now it's now it's starting to take things and what was a very sort of childish ideal there's no going back you can't stop it but now you do have to reassess it and start to realize yeah okay, what do I, what do I do with this? You know, is this okay? And Raina, I want you to go into it because you sent me a text about it this morning, but the use of Bible verses in this was so, it was so Gothic, like not in a cringe way, but like it just it gave me a very Gothic vibe. But I, I grew up in a religious home and um, obviously uh, not anymore, but I, I've dealt with that like crisis of faith And I think that it hits so hard when you grew up religious to see not that religion portrayed, but I feel like aspects of like Bible verses, when you think of it as just writing some, some banger writing in there Mm. (laughs) and very Gothic prose. And I think that using it in the context of this was so cool. It just, it really completed the story, especially when he talks about like how his father was religious and all of that. Like you just touched on Luke, but Raina, I want to hear your thoughts on the Bible verses in this. No, it's definitely something that like when I read, I did not expect this to be mirroring the story of Job from the Bible. Cause Mm -hmm. like you, Madison, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a, I grew up uber like Catholic. So I was, I was kind of forced to learn like the entire Bible and I yeah. guess like I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore or practicing anything really, but those mm-hmm. ideals and lessons I learned from reading all those texts growing up are ingrained in my mind so much that to see it applied to a Batman story or even just like a real life situation is honestly one of the most like kind of kind of humbling things I've ever like experienced mm-hmm. as I read through a comic. Wow. It was just kind of yeah. like, wow. This is really like applicable to not only Bruce Wayne's situation, but also situations in my own life, because I've gone through those bouts where it's like I've been through a bad breakup. I've I've had to like move, move states because of one and whatnot. And at the time, it's just like, what did I do? Where did I go wrong? And Mm -hmm. you kind of do have those moments of crisis of faith, but it forces you to take a step back and look at yourself and go like, who am I really? 
mm-hmm. which is what I think Bruce Wayne goes through in this storyline as he's talking to the jury and yeah. reflecting on well, his that, past and what that, he goes that human moment. That's the other part that just kills me is when he does start to, he's doing his big speech and he starts to break down. And he just is like, there's a panel of him with his head in his hands and, and Missy, the woman that's like sort of been uh, against him in this is like, Bruce, are you okay? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like, he just like let it spill all out. And, you know, it, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's on the question of who are you? You know, who are you? Mm-hmm. Because there's always yeah. those expectations. Like Bruce Wayne is like, expected to be this billionaire, happy-go-lucky playboy. Batman is expected to be Gotham savior these all these expectations and wants that people expect begin to weigh on you that when something major happens you're just kind of thrown for a loop and don't know how to process things and what's fascinating about old days is that it's him going through that processing Mm -hmm. no it's it's not only who are you and like who gave you the right to do these things which is another question but even if it's not about religion and faith I feel like most people have that moment in their lives where it's like, what do you believe in? Like whether or not that's religious or moral or um, a number of other things in your life, you are going to be faced with the question of like, what do you stand for and what do you believe in? And seeing him wrestle with that is just, again, human, so human of him. (laughs) And um, And, and, and heroic. You know, I, th- yes, I think it's yes. heroic to, to question yourself and it's and it's heroic to to grow and, and change. And that's, you know, like in terms of him, like sort of interrogating or questioning his own process. And really, you know, we talk a lot about the world's greatest detective and the ability to think like a criminal. But there's that really great, I think it's issue two, when he starts to really break down his methods and he starts to really empathize with Mr. Freeze and like put himself in his shoes. And like it gets to this moment of like, you're like you're the one guy's like, well, if he's innocent, like he should have just stayed there and let Batman talk to him. And it's like, yeah, because Batman just talks. Like Batman comes to you and is like going to sit down and have a conversation with Mister Freeze. They've been fighting for years, and it really it kind of without being too preachy starts to really get into that that thing of like, well, the cops aren't going to bother you if you aren't doing anything wrong. But it's like, yeah, part of the strength that policemen have is, you know, that you're afraid of them. And there definitely are certain people that have more reason to be afraid of interactions with police Mm. than others. And, you know, the idea, the expectation that everyone can trust that cops always just want to talk is not always the case. And so to have Batman realize that is really sharp and a nice way to address and kind of wrestle with some of the ideas of where this character can really get into this kind of like, you know, fascist fantasy character. Mm-hmm. And we don't, I don't want him to be that. I, I you know, I, I want, yeah, he's above the lies of vigilante. He's doing all these things. But, but when he recognizes that, like, of course, Freeze is going to put the suit on and grab his gun. Batman's coming to get him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, the idea that why would, why would someone not be afraid is amazing. And then also, the idea that the jury was so ready to convict him because of crimes previously like committed when that's not right. how the law works. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, but it is how the law works. Like it shouldn't be in it. It isn't on paper, but so often um, we see that in the real world where, where there's an assumption because you've done something in the past that you are guilty without question of that thing in the future. And mm-hmm. no, it is a really good, moment where Bruce realizes a flaw in the system and a flaw in how he's been working all this time. And I yeah, like that moment system. where she's 
that woman's talking about like my child got a gun to protect themselves, oh, but God. they shouldn't have a gun. And when I tried to return it, they said, this is Keep Gotham. The Keep gun. the gun. That is so yeah. good. Like, oh my God. Um, just such a good moment. But And yeah, how fear, sorry. yeah, that, that, that's, this is such a, that, you know, that city is such a, you know, volatile place because everybody's mm-hmm. scared all the time. And, mm-hmm. and like, that's the thing is Batman for everybody is the thing that, punches the demons he has got that big part where he talks about there's a city of demons but Bat- he's always there to punch the demons and bring the light but here's the thing is batman is scared too but batman's not allowed to be scared and here <laughs> we get him sort of wrestling with that is like guys i'm fucking scared the whole reason i exist is because that i was so scared that one time and i'm trying to not go back there and when i get to that place and try so hard i do the things that are you know the, the worst parts of me you know um and that's how it's so it all ties together it's so good so what do you guys think of the ending where they reach the verdict i want to hear your guys' thoughts on it uh, i want to hear your thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah do you have thoughts it, Ram? um i was i was a little confused like did did alfred imply that like bruce wayne like bribed somebody to get himself on that jury yes <gasps> yeah that, that to to me, I was like, wait a minute, the wording was a little weird, but I wanted to confirm in my mind that Bruce Wayne himself bribed somebody to get on that jury to like argue well, against them. I think to make the case and to to, you know, un- undo the mistake. Right. Because like, here's the thing is we've been mm-hmm. saying it like beating the shit out of Mr. Freeze is not something a hero would do. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely comic books out there and comic book fans that are like, yeah, looking beat him up you know like there's that part where they're asking bullock like well how did you know who the note was from that says ask him he did it and how did you know and there's like a batarang sticking out of his face and they're like you confess to it once the doctors resuscitated you you know it's like (laughs) is that batman right that's not heroic but owning the fact that he i did that and trying to fix it is heroic now he does it in a shady way right but he knew freeze is gonna go to jail you know, mm-hmm. and he knew, well, wait a minute, I might have made a mistake there. I was not on my game because I'm going through this emotional stuff. You know, Selena just left me. I'm not feeling good. Oh, no, I need to make sure that somebody's in there speaking for this guy. And so, mm-hmm. again, this is Batman, right? It's, it's a, he sort of operates outside the law, but is doing something that is good. And that, you know, that's the thing with, you know, we don't need our heroes to be gods. They can do things we don't agree with. We do want to ultimately sympathize and understand their point of view. So, so that's my take on it was that he knew that Freeze was going to, you know, rot in the cell unless he did something to kind of undo the damage that he had done. Even though he can't undo all of it, he can he can try and make the case by getting himself on the jury and arguing that's for that meant, not yeah. guilty case. Exactly. That was Bruce Wayne doing good. That was his good yeah. act yes. to make up for the brutality that he displayed to towards Mister Freeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just uh, said exactly what I was going to say. It That was him being a vigilante, but a Bruce Wayne vigilante, not a Batman vigilante. Like he used his money and his power to well, do something illegal, but right, which is what Batman is. But also before we move on, I'm so sorry. I have to touch on the panel where he's beating the shit out of Freeze because <laughs> that is so brutal and gore, like in the best way, but seeing the blood splatters, like hitting him as he's punching him is oh, so yeah. it's such a well done like the panels on that page are so well done but holy shit are they brutal and it really mm-hmm. shows just the place 
he was in mentally where that was just like that was villain shit right there that was really bad Mm -hmm. he's atoned for it clearly but holy crap anyway sorry reyna please go no i was saying like sometimes the most heroic thing a person can do is admit when they're wrong and that's what bruce wayne's doing here and which is what how he gets the not guilty verdict for mr freeze yes it's although i did like i don't want to like throw a grenade in the room here but like there's sort of a a plot thread that kind of I was waiting for it to go somewhere and then it didn't. And I'm trying to remember if it if it ever does. But like, did did either of you get the it ran through my mind of like, well, did Mr. Freeze mess with the bodies after they were already dead as part of his experiment? Because like there's this big thing of like, well, Gordon missed it and the the corner that you like they missed it. Batman caught it, but something must have happened in between. And it's like, well, what did happen in between? And like, was is there some other person that I guess? Whereas ultimately, it's just, it's like 12 Angry Men, right? It's like, we don't, we're not trying to prove who did it. We're just trying to say, maybe he didn't. And if we can't say for sure that Mr. Freeze is responsible. But I just, yeah, it did run through my mind of like, did he, was he experimenting on dead bodies? (laughs) I, I think what it is, and the reason it's so vague is, I think it ties into like, tearing down Batman as a deity. He's not omnipresent. Like, he doesn't know everything. And some things will kind of go unsolved it's just the way fate Mm -hmm. works sometimes and i actually found that a little bit intriguing that it's like oh they like did not solve that plot thread at all they just kind of left it for all we know freeze did do it but some things in life we'll just never know i agree i i thought that it was intentionally like a 12 angry men like it does not matter what who actually solved the case what matters is going by the letter of justice and the letter of justice is you have to have the evidence or you cannot convict someone but i also did think to myself that he was probably experimenting on the bodies of people that have had those blood clots to try and like figure out the stuff with his wife but honestly like you're not supposed to do that but that's not that but i have a really soft spot for mr freeze in my heart like as a like a villain i always have i really do love him and i i feel like he's so misunderstood which is the whole point of his character duh like that made me just sound so stupid but i really do love him but i feel like he was just he found women that died and he was trying to research them but that's not nearly as bad as killing them himself so right yeah i could see something like that yeah i agree yeah so on to the like second part of the ending that was honestly my favorite bit is uh Batman goes out for his nightly patrol and Alfred's like, should I get the suit ready? And Batman essentially says, no, not that one. And it ends with a quote. Mm. I need to remember who I am. And it's Batman ditching the Scott Snyder yellow bat symbol bat suit to go <laughs> to like a very back to basics Batman look. Yeah. And it ends with the quote. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head. He fell down upon the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I come out of my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm so glad you had that because I was pulled up on the picture, on the quote, ready to read it as soon as there was a lull in our conversation. (laughs) So thank you so much. That is such a killer ending for this comic. It it sums up basically what what Bruce Wayne was going through. Like he lost everything, went through like essentially a crisis of faith. And then was like, you know what? I need to just kind of remember who I am and ditches mm-hmm. the controversial like yellow bat symbol outfit and just a very back to basics Batman. 
Which works for Batman, but also works for the, you know, as a breakup story of like, yes. all right, that that's over. Now you need to figure out who you are and not who you are as a couple, but who you are as an individual. You got to deal with that because that, that's uh, there. Still. The use of the, the Job verse really hit home for me because, I mean, so my father is a pastor uh, oh, wow. and there are a lot of times where I just want normal advice and instead I'm given advice through verses and stuff like that which pisses the fuck like it it pisses (laughs) me off but this verse in particular I feel like I've heard so much throughout my whole life um whenever I'm struggling my dad pulls out the the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and it's always bothered me because it's like well can he stop take a thing away like it's pissing (laughs) me off but for some reason like reading it in this context I was like oh I get it I get it for the first time ever it's always just been a a thing that Christians say, and I didn't like it. It bothered me. Um, But like I said, like some of the prose in the Bible is just incredible work. Uh, Whether Mm -hmm. or not I agree with it, like some of it is just beautifully written. The whole book is very well written. And reading this verse in this context with Bruce, like restarting his life, basically, I'm I'm going through a divorce and I was like, oh, fuck, like this is really good. Um, and I, I, I think context is important. I mean, that's the problem with cherry picking yeah. Bible verses and just trying to yes. like, oh, this is wisdom. It's like, well, this isn't wisdom just in and of itself. These are just words. Like yeah. without a context yeah. to, to kind of give weight to these words, we're just kind of spouting bullshit, you know? <laughs> like exactly, we need to, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it was just such a good, adding that in, the writers are just kudos to them. I'm not a writer, so I'm just blown away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta say, Luke, your movies have emotionally destroyed me in some way. I oh. should not be surprised you like chose a storyline that would emotionally destroy me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I think Tom King's got a got a penchant for, for that, and those definitely those are the stories that I'm I'm drawn to. I, I don't I don't know why. There's there's something about it that just and I just I just want a good cry. I'm always after a good cry want to want to feel things <laughs> that's me when i put on the night house no i'm kidding <laughs> oh no <laughs> same but what, what any anything else you'd like to add about cold days at all or tom king's run there's, anything batman there's a couple and, of things i wanted to point out just as we're wrapping up that we didn't get a chance to touch on you know the whole oh, we're talking about all this religious stuff and like how that sort of is teed up i love the fact that Bruce Wayne notices like I'm sorry the the way the drape of your blouse are you are you wearing a cross like are you religious Uh and it's again another example of really seeing that Bruce Wayne and Batman are not two different things he doesn't change it's not a different character this is a singular man moving through things and so Bruce Wayne's gonna notice shit too you know he's gonna notice you're wearing a cross he's Sherlock Holmes you know and I love that we sort of bring that in with Bruce Wayne stuff still being a detective I think it's really cool and then the other thing that uh, sort of came up as we were talking about, um, I just wanted to call out the transition of Thomas Wayne holding Bruce's hand on the way into church, fading into him holding his hand in the alley um, after he's passed away. And like the, the text is like so spare. It's just like later after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can just see the, yeah, the, the him holding his father's hand on the church steps mm-hmm. and holding his father's hand as he's, dead in the alley and you know batman is born that's really good thanks for stuff. pointing that out that makes me want to die <laughs> really <laughs> really good 
and I missed it. And, so and thank the Watchmen, you. the Watchmen shot out of like you know God is above us and he wears a cape, being a play on the mm. uh, God exists and he's American from from Watchmen. Yeah, uh, yeah. the fun little love it. Back. Yeah. very emotionally charged arc and it's only three issues too which is like yeah mind-boggling that it's like they really use those three issues yeah so good yeah if there's other yeah i mean obviously the whole tom king run is worth reading in my opinion i know that's you know some people everybody's got their own everybody's got their runs right everybody's got their writers for sure but there's there's the double date arc is super good and way less emotionally destructive but really fun because it's just Batman and Catwoman and Clark Kent and um, Lois Lane on a double date. And it's as good as you'd want it to be and as fun as you'd want that to be. That's another oh, yeah. really great one. Madison, do you have any final thoughts on cold days or religion or uh, being emotionally destroyed <laughs> at all? <laughs> God, I'm so sorry I've spoken so much during this episode. I feel like I've I've been hogging a bit but i love this so much work it out get get (laughs) this is you know you gotta learn from bruce you know yeah yeah come on madison it's your podcast (laughs) i love the title cold days i love that number one it's like cold emotionally and number two i love that it starts with the girl entering the room and she's like why is it so cold in here? Because <laughs> oh, it, but it's also because it's it's super hot in Twelve Angry Men. That's the big thing in Twelve Angry yes, Men. They keep yes. on saying it's so hot in here, and this uh-huh. is like oh, and it's so freezing cold. in this room. <gasps> I didn't it's catch so, that. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So I thought that that little play on that was a great title and a good double meaning. Uh, yeah. I just I want to read it again already. I want to buy it physically, but. I just really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for bringing this into my life. I loved it. Oh, yeah, it's a heavy one, but I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad it resonated. <laughs> it's inspiring me to finally read the Tom King run in its entirety. So, oh, nice. I guess mission accomplished because I was a very, yeah. like I said, a very devout Scott Snyder person that I was like, yeah, no, how could that run end? Even though it technically didn't end, it just moved titles and whatnot. But that's yeah. a whole complicated mess in itself. Um, but I'm definitely well, let me know go how back. it goes. Yeah, as you as if you do make your way through, you know, keep me posted on your progress. Oh, I will. I will. I'll let you know when I get to that double date storyline. <laughs> oh, so fun. Where can people find you on social, or do you got anything you want to promote? Anything you're working on? Something that's oh, exciting you? Um, I'm on Twitter for now. I don't know. It's what's up with Twitter these days. Uh, I don't. You know, I t- I tweet about comic books and. Hong Kong movies, <laughs> sometimes about horror. I think it's at Luke underscore Piotrowski. I'm not even certain. I think that's what it is. Um, watch Hellraiser on Hulu. You know, that's that's <laughs> sort of the, the big thing that's out now. And, you know, it's always good to have those numbers stay up, especially if we ever want to sort of go back into that world, which I think everybody creatively mm-hmm. wants to do. But we need Ooh. to make sure that the numbers merit that. So, you know, every little bit helps on that front. Um, Put it on repeat, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, lots of other stuff, always working on things, but nothing to talk about just yet. Because, you know, got to keep it all secret. Keep it safe mm-hmm. until it's time. <laughs> Understandable. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. This was one of the most exciting episodes I think we've ever recorded. 
Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I hope people uh, I hope people like it and I hope people read the issues first because I think if, if they yeah. try to listen to this without having read it, they'll be like, what are they talking about? But <laughs> I, I mean, I think at the base of it, they'll still get an interesting conversation about Batman faith, how we view superheroes and whatnot. <laughs> yes. You can find me at JFC Doomblade on all social medias. I made sure I got that social handle everywhere. You can find my work being published pretty regularly at Bloody Disgusting and Fangoria Online. I just debuted a gaming column at Bloody Disgusting, and I got a pretty big project in the works at Fangoria. You can also find the pod at Batshit Pod on Twitter, Instagram. Do we have a TikTok, Madison? We do not have a TikTok, but my TikTok is our TikTok because I post about Batman every Monday. Fair enough. You can always find the Batshit Podcast on Apple and Spotify Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. We're everywhere. Be sure to listen, leave a review. Let us know if we're doing bad or good. We got lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline. And I think that's it for this week. Right, Madison? And we stream on Twitch. We streamed Gotham Nights and we will be doing it again. So that is also twitch.tv slash Maddie underscore Amidala. It is technically my account, but it's our account because that's where we stream mm-hmm. Batman stuff. Gotham Nights. Do you guys play? Yes. Yes. Who are your Who are your mains? Uh, last week I was playing as Red Hood. Oh, I interesting. I have only played as Nightwing. Oh, okay. But yeah, I love so, it. So our gameplay was just Red Hood and Nightwing. I'm a Batgirl. <laughs> have you been playing? Oh, yeah, I've been playing. It's oh, a weird yes. game. <laughs> but, it's yeah, so I'm weird. Not, I love it. I, love <laughs> but I wanted to be a Batgirl main and then I read the character descriptions and I was like, I'm not going to be good at that. So I picked Nightwing instead. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I was tempted. There's a lot of different. I I I, I, I look. I play as the girl. I always pick the girl. I, for, ever since Chun Li, I, I don't know why. I, love I it. just I just do. So I was, but but this is the game where I was finally like, I don't know. I like Dick a lot. I like I like Robin. Like I like Tim. So it was a real it's, choice. But it's so I just stuck with my decision. Yeah, she's fun. That girl's fun. So I take it you're gonna play Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. I will. I definitely yes. will. Yes. Yeah. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. One final performance from him. Super yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, but uh, I think that wraps up our Batship podcast for this week. Everybody go watch Hellraiser on Hulu right now. Be sure to join so us good. next week. Please watch it. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>